need one, you can raise your hand. Mona, I'll take one from you. And then we will jump right on in. Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. And last week we saw what a mess Joseph's family was, right? And that was just leading up to his birth and the craziness of that household. And yet God raised up a good young man in Joseph. We'll talk more about that tonight. And really when I look at Joseph's brothers and all the vile things that they did in their lives, I thought of a great title for tonight's message would be a rose among thorns because literally that would describe joseph and the rest of his household and so tonight we're going to look at genesis 37 verse number one the bible says and jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of canaan these are the generations of jacob joseph being 17 years old was feeding the flock with his brethren and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah, and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. You see what was going on in the family here? The favoritism. And we'll, we're going to break it down a little bit more. I'm going to teach you a little bit more about that coat of many colors tonight that you might not have realized about as we go deeper into the message tonight. Verse 5 tells us, And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we are binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose, and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about, and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words, verse number 9. And he dreamed yet another dream, and told it to his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brother indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And his brothers envied him, but his father observed the saying. Father, I pray that you bless the next few minutes that we have tonight. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your faithfulness to us. I pray you'd help us as we look at this passage tonight. Help us be able to apply it to our lives and to be able to see some things tonight that only you could help us see bless the time that we have i thank you for each child here tonight each parent i know after a long day of school and all that's gone on today and work and all these things i know people are tired tonight but i'm thankful for their love for you and their desire to learn from your word i pray you bless the time that we have we love you we need you in jesus name i pray amen 
Last week we looked at the background of Joseph's family, and it was not a great background. A lot of wickedness in the life of Joseph's brothers, and a lot of different things. And you just look at going back to Jacob. Jacob, remember, he gets tricked into marrying Leah, and then he marries Rachel. So you got sisters that are married to one guy. The older sister isn't loved by Jacob. Rachel is. She has four children. When she can't have children anymore, she gives her handmaiden to Jacob to wife. And then Rachel gives her handmaiden to Jacob to wife. And so Zilpah and um, we met Bilhah there. Their children are also in the picture here. And then Rachel finally has kids. And we saw how the firstborn Reuben committed incest in his family. Simeon and Levi, Jacob calls them in chapter 49 instruments of cruelty. Someone raped their sister. And I get why they were so upset and I get those things. But they basically told the people they would redeem them and help them if they became circumcised like them. And after they followed through with it, they went and killed all of them. So they went and lied behind the whole thing. And at the end of the day, Jacob did nothing about these things. Judah, the fourthborn. Jesus comes from the tribe of Judah. But Judah ended up fornicating with his daughter-in-law. Or committing adultery there with his daughter-in-law. And... The sin cycle was huge in this family. And yet, when we read the scripture and we read about Joseph, there's very little that we... If we're going to find wrong about Joseph, we really got to nitpick. And I'll talk about some of the nitpicking people do tonight. But what I see is I see a rose that grew among thorns. And I'm glad tonight this gives me hope as a parent. This gives me hope as a pastor. It gives me hope as a person today. If God can do with Joseph what he did with the family he had, then my kids have a chance in this world with the parents they have. That one kid, that that one family or that kid that you might write off and say, that kid could never, I think Joseph, that would have been said about him. As a pastor with our teenagers and young people, it's amazing, who knows what God could do. There's always hope, and thank God for that. And as we go through here tonight, I want to look at these 11 verses, and I want us just to see how Joseph was different. There was something different about Joseph than his brothers. And you're going to see later on there's a lot of other things that we'll talk about. But just in these 11 verses, I want to give you the thoughts here and dive into it. Number one, we see the purity of Joseph's life. The purity of Joseph's life. And we see in verse number 2 of our text here, Scripture tells us here, these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. The lad was with the sons of Bilhah and of the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. So we see that Joseph is with his brothers, right? His half-brothers, you got Bilhah's and Zilpah's children there they all are there with him but as we look and we think about letter a every time you see joseph 
in the scriptures. He is doing the right thing. We're going to talk about this more and more. He gets thrown in a pig, gets thrown into prison. He had a right spirit while he was in prison. He goes into Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's wife wants him to lay with her. He gets out of that house and gets out of there. He just does the right thing. What a lesson that is for us. We'll talk more about that here in just a minute. But you look at this thing. This is what made him different from his brothers. Because his brothers, it seems like as you read through the scriptures, every time they had the opportunity to do good, they did the opposite. And we'll look and see deeper these things as we go through. But in verse number 2, we see, and the Bible gives the inclination here that this was really one of the first times that Joseph was working with these brothers of his. Joseph's 17 years old, and Anthony are almost 17. So right near Anthony's age, Isaiah and Andrew are still 17. So they're right in that age. He's working with his older brothers at this time. And as he's working with his older brothers, you've got to understand something. The story tells us here, and as we look at this, they did something that they were not supposed to do, his older brothers. And it was so bad that Joseph decided to go tell dad what they did. The Bible does not tell us what took place here. Were they stealing time from their boss, from their dad, when they should have been working? Could have been something like that. Were they committing some sort of other sin? We do not know. But what we know about this passage is these guys were doing something bad, and Joseph decided to go and tell his dad what happened. Now, this is where people, and this is what happens. People will look at the Bible and look at different characters, and when you can't find many flaws in someone, they're going to nitpick is what they're going to do. So this is one of the areas that scholars and critics like to nitpick when it comes to Joseph. They say that Joseph was a gossip and a talebearer on his brothers. That is not the case in this thing here. Who is the one in charge? Jacob is, correct? So for Joseph, the son, to see his brothers doing something that was not good and to take it to the one who could do something about it, that's not gossiping or being a tellbearer. That's how you should respond to something. If something isn't going right, and young people in the room, this is what happens a lot of times. You see someone do something wrong, and what we do is we go up to our friends, and we're like, did you see what so-and-so did? That's a talebearer. That's spreading gossip. But what we see with Joseph is, the Bible says he went to his dad, said, hey, dad, this is what the brothers are doing. And so we see a great lesson there. Joseph is not being a gossip or being a talebearer on his brothers, there was an issue here, and he went to the one who could do something about the issue. Do you see that? I think that makes sense. As we go through here, I want to give you letter B, just some lessons in these verses, in these first couple verses. The first lesson is this. Every one of our lives should be marked by purity. The God we serve, the young people tonight, as we had our youth group earlier, we looked at the story about 
um, Isaiah seeing the Lord high and lifted up, and how the seraphims cried out, holy, holy, holy. We serve a holy God tonight. Do you realize that? A thrice holy God. And the word holy means set apart, and there is no one like God. He is the ultimate holy one. He is set apart from everyone else. But may I remind you tonight, just like Joseph and his family was known for doing the right thing, every one of our lives should be marked that same way. This is what the Bible says in 1 Peter 1, 16. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And as a child of God, and we don't do enough talking today on holiness. This is a New Testament verse for you on top of that. This is not Old Testament. God likes his children to be set apart and to live a holy life. That's Bible. That's truth. Michael, man, I got it. Sometime we're going to have to have Michael do it for everyone. Last night, they sent me a video of Michael pretending to, he was making fun of me preaching. It, and, but as I just did that hand motion, I'm like, that's totally what you did in your video last night. So now every time I do that, I'm going to think of that. And it's not me. It's what the Bible says. It comes straight from the Bible. And he was totally making fun of me with that. The best part, though, was Joe. You spelled John, J-O-H-N. It was, it was so good. He did a great job. I'll show you that later, Joe. So we need to have a skit night at church sometime, and Michael can pretend to be me. You know, you got to get a little bit more handsome and get rid of that beard. But other than that, you could do a pretty good job of doing that. And so, but... Now every time I move my hands, I'm going to think of that video is what I'm going to think of. So I'm not going to move my hands anymore. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 17, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Christian, the way we talk, the way we act, the way we live our lives should be different than the way the world does. Not because we're better than everybody else, but because we've talked about before. And on Sunday nights, we talk about this a lot. The fact is this world and the things this world does, I don't expect this world to do any better. They are blinded to the things of God. They have no clue about those things. They are trapped. They are in bondage to sin tonight. Yet we as believers tonight, we've been freed from that bondage. The Holy Spirit of God's come inside of us. And so there should be a difference. And that's important. We see in Joseph, there was quite a difference between him and his brothers. So the first lesson we can learn from this section here is every one of our lives should be marked by purity. Number two, it isn't easy, but we should always strive to do the right thing in every situation. We should strive to do what's right. You're not always going to do what's right. You have this flesh. You have the old man. But strive to do the right thing in every situation. When someone talks mean to you, respond biblically to them. When someone wrongs you, be biblical with them when you find you know you it could go all over the place do the right thing and sometimes it's not always fun to do the right thing a couple weeks ago i'm in the grocery store 
and they missed ringing up the most expensive thing in my cart. And, you know, you could say, the Lord gave, praise the Lord. They didn't do it, it's their fault. The right thing to do when you see it and notice that is to pay for it. Funniest thing on that story. You know how, how all these stores now have all these self-checkouts. I love it. You don't have to deal with people. I love that. Well, unless there's a mess up. But I went into Walmart, did everything. And Caroline had me buy, I was buying some makeup for her. And so there was no one back at the makeup part at Walmart. So I had to do it in my cart. I totally forgot about it. I'm out in my car and everything, I pulled everything out of my cart. And the only thing left was this little bottle of foundation that I didn't pay for. And I thought to myself, just a little bottle of foundation, I'm going to leave. And then, is that the right thing to do? No. So I walked in, and I put it on the little machine, and I paid for it. That's the right thing. Now you say, Pastor, do you ever do the wrong thing? Yes, but those aren't the examples you give in church. <laughs> it's just like everyone's Facebook and their Instagram and things. You show when things are great, right? You don't show when life is real. You show when it's at its best moments and all those things. And so, but we should be striving to do the right thing. I could give you five examples today of things I wish I would have done the right thing in. And that is not easy, but we should strive to do the right thing. And then number three, and then we'll get on to the next point here. Number three is, it has, and uh, is it number three? Yeah. We should never be a tellbearer. No, we should never be be accused, sorry, be accused. I'm trying to find my right place in my notes, and that wasn't quite happening right there. Accused or guilty. You can word it however you want. You can do whatever you want. Guilty. It says guilty. Thank you, Joe, for putting that up there. I think I deleted that whole line out of my notes right here, so that's why it wasn't there. So I will copy and... I'll copy my notes and put it on a separate outline so they can put it on the screen. And I think I completely cut it out and put it for there. So we should never be guilty of being a tellbearer. And I just think of a couple of verses I want to give you on that thought. Leviticus 19:16, Thou shalt not go up and down as a tellbearer among thy people, neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor, for I am the Lord. Proverbs 20, verse 26, verse 20 through 22. The Bible says, where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. Isn't that true? If you have no wood, how can a fire go, right? And if you can read that up on the screen, that's good eyesight right there. It says, so where there is no tail bearer, the strife ceaseth. You want to help strife in a group of people stop? Don't have a tail bearer in the group. The next verse says, As coals are to burning coals, and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. We should never be guilty of being a talebearer. If there's something you must tell, and there are times in life when you need to speak up, are you ready? Tell the right person. Young people, if something happens and it needs to be talked about, you're at school, tell 
your teacher. Tell your parents. Tell your principal. If something happens when you have friends over and things, tell your parents. That's not being a tellbearer. That's not being wrong. That's doing the right thing. The wrong thing to do is to tell someone who can't do anything about it. Just like you might have a problem with something in the room or someone in the room, and if you can't get it solved, go find someone who can help you solve it. Come find me. But don't go to someone else and feed them how awful someone else is. That's a tellbearer. That's what we want to avoid, and that's how strife builds up. And what we see in this passage is that Joseph told the right person what his brothers was doing. So that's number one tonight. Number two, and you're doing great tonight. Number two, we see the promotion of Joseph's life. The promotion of Joseph's life. And when we look at this, these verses tell us a little bit more, verse 3 and 4, about what was going on in their home. Look at verse 3 and 4. Now Israel, now we know Israel's Jacob. Remember Jacob, when he met the Lord, God changed his name to Israel. So some of the time he's called Israel and sometimes he's called Jacob. And so is there a correlation to when he's called what? You can figure that out. And I have an opinion, but I'm going to leave my opinion to myself unless you ask me later. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. There's a major problem in this home. Jacob shows favoritism to one of his children. And you say, where in the world would that come from? Do you remember the home that Jacob grew up in? Isaac loved Esau. Right? And Rebecca loved Jacob. They showed favoritism. Parents, speaking to myself and speaking to you, your children will pick up on the things you do. They do. And thank God that God can still work with the type of parent I am. And I thank God he can still work. But be careful of the things you do. Because you see that this problem started long before. And it was just passed down the line. And so as we look at this and we think about this, we see the fact that this favoritism, it brought envy, strife, and trouble into the home. Think about Jacob and Esau. Think about the problems there. Esau deserved the blessing, but he also gave away his birthright to Jacob for some food, right? Jacob's going to bless Esau. Rebekah doesn't want Esau getting the blessing. She wants Jacob, her favorite, to get the blessing. So she gets him. He had to be one hair. Esau had to be one hairy dude. Because literally all that animal hair put on him and things, he was quite a hairy dude. And so... But you see all that she went through to get her son in there? And so as we look at this, we think about all that this caused. And then also, we see the fact that he was given a special coat, a coat of many colors. 
Now, something that's interesting to note that I don't think we ever pause to see. You look at verse number 3 where we were. The Bible puts things in here the way it's supposed to be. But it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. Look at this phrase. Why did he? Because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. So when you look at that, you look at that phrase, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. Let's look at that first phrase for a second, then I'll give you a couple points. We'll move on to our last point tonight. Because he was the son of his old age, how old was Jacob when Joseph was born? Anybody know? 91. 91 years old when Joseph was born. Jacob waited a long time to have a child from his beloved wife, Rachel. And Joseph was his firstborn. That phrase, because he was the son of his old age, you take the Hebrew words and translate it. You could, it could be said this way, because he was a white head on young shoulders. It's kind of a weird way to say it. That's why the Bible says it the way it does. But the meaning of that could be that Jacob saw wisdom and strength in Joseph that he didn't see in his other children. Think with me for a minute. The firstborn was Reuben. Reuben commits incest. We could go through the firstborn of uh, Zilpah and Bilhah. They had all technically sinned greatly and forfeited any rights to be the head of that home. The coat of many colors, this is what we think of. We think of a bright, how many of you in your mind can picture the coat of many colors? I think a lot of us can picture it in our minds what it probably looked like. But it probably is nothing like what you picture it to be. A coat with many colors basically is a shirt with long sleeves. It was a special type of garment that was multicolored, heavily, um, heavily done, and it had sleeves that reached all the way to the hands, and the hem of the garment, this shirt, would go all the way down to the ankles. What this coat of many colors represented and what it does, it represented the head of a clan. This type of garment was not worn by a common worker in that day. It was worn by an overseer or royalty. Those who were above everybody else. This garment was worn by an heir or was supposed to be. So what Jacob was really doing here... He was saying, this is the one I want to be my heir. That's why the brothers hated him so much. Because of what the jacket represented. Not that his dad gave him a jacket because he loved him so much more. But Jacob was saying, this is who I want to be my heir. This kid's special. This is the one that I want. And, and when you look at these things... It was a big deal in that day. Really, you wanted the family blessing. And the oldest is normally who got the family blessing. 
the how the head of the household literally held absolute life and death authority over the members of the family. When the brothers saw Jacob, uh, saw Joseph wearing this coat, it infuriated them that their dad felt the way he did about him. And yet, through all of that, Joseph carried himself well, and he earned the respect of his father. And something that's interesting, do you realize, too, that this position with that coat and things would have entitled Joseph to a double portion of his father's inheritance, which his children got later on. That's just a little side note there. But he would have gotten a double portion, and that's why his two children got the portion, not him, which we'll see later on in the story. There's a lot of heaviness right there, so if you miss some of that, that's okay. When we look at all these things, a couple of lessons we can learn from this before we get to the end of our, um, before we get to the end tonight's application. Number one, when we live a life of integrity and holiness, the Father notices. Just like Jacob realized there was something special about Joseph. God sees these things, and God knows these things. Another thought would be this, number two. When we are promoted, we must not boast about our achievements. And there will be times where we get promoted. So at other times, someone else might get promoted. But what you got to remember is any advancement that takes place in our lives is by the grace of God. And it has nothing to do at the end of the day with us. It's by the grace of God. And you say, you say, well, pastor, well, what if someone's more faithful to God than someone else? God can figure all that stuff out. And God does reward the faithful. The Bible's clear about that. And the Bible says things about that. But you got to understand something. It's the grace of God that any of us get to do anything for the Lord. Which leads to the third thought here before we go on to our final thing. When others prosper and are promoted, we must guard ourselves against becoming jealous. You see, at the end of the day, God knew what was going on in this whole situation with Jacob and his kids. And we're going to look at, the, as we finish tonight, the dreams that Joseph dreamed. But sometimes God promotes someone, and you're like, why would he promote them? It's not your job to figure out why. Be grateful that the Lord promoted them. Don't become jealous and envy them, because God, has, God is working in your life. God knows what's going on with you. Be careful of those things. But it's very easy when we see someone else doing well and prospering to be like, why not me? Well, at the end of the day, why any of us? It's the grace of God, anything that happens. Try not to forget that. And then we see lastly tonight, and we'll be done here in a minute, we see the promise of Joseph's life. The promise of Joseph's life. Now, as the 
problems in the family were building. And literally next week, we see that Joseph goes and searches for his brothers, and then they sell him and put him in a pit. They wanted to murder him. But before that takes place, you got to remember something as I give you this last point tonight. God knows the details of everything in the story. At this point in the game, Joseph does not really know much of what he's 17. He doesn't have it all figured out. His brothers don't know what's going on. Jacob doesn't have it all figured out. No one has it all figured out. But I'll tell you this, God knows. And so what does God do? God gives Joseph two dreams. And these dreams were to help him remember the fact that God was going to do something in his life. Could it be that God gave him those dreams before all the trouble came? So that way when he was sitting in the prison cell, he had something to hold on to hope that something was going to work out? Could be. As he was sitting in that pit, I believe this is the grace of God in his life at this time. And so as we look at the promise of Joseph's life, and as we get through this real quick, we see as trouble was brewing in his family, God was working in the life of Joseph. In these dreams, God reveals some great details about Joseph's life that I want you to see in just a minute. And so we read those verses, and we saw verse 5 through 8, and verse 9 through 11, and we see in verse 5 through 8 that the brothers would one day bow down to him. The other dream, the sun, moon, and the 11 stars. He has 11 brothers, mom and dad. Someday they would all bow down before him. And we see that the, they didn't quite, and you know, this is where critics will also say, well, why was Joseph going around bragging about his dream? I don't see anywhere in this passage where he's bragging about it. It's almost like he doesn't understand it and he's just asking about it. Should he have had some more discernment and maybe not talked about with his brothers? They already didn't like him. They already didn't want nothing to do with him. I probably wouldn't have talked to them about these dreams. And the Bible says that they hated him even more, but his dad held on to what he said. He held on to the saying even after he rebuked him some. But what these dreams did, let her be, is these dreams are the first indication that God has big plans for Joseph. And how special that is for Joseph here. And I would imagine that these dreams helped sustain him through those hard days that he was about to face. I think it's no accident that God had this happen now and not later. Now, I want to give you a few last points of application here, and we'll be done. The first one is this. In this passage, and as we look at these dreams, there's a word here about dreams. Now, people get carried away today. And listen to me, please, for a minute. Listen to me good. God does not speak today through dreams. Period. Maybe he, you say, well, maybe he did to me. Then maybe he did. You can figure that out for yourself. I do not believe it's possible. Say, well, why? Because God doesn't speak to us the same as he spoke in Bible days. Say, well, why doesn't God speak the same? Because Joseph didn't have this. You have the complete revelation of God in your hand. You need nothing else. 
You don't need dreams for that. Maybe you ate too much pepperoni pizza. Number one, the worst dreams I ever had was after having, anybody ever eat Mountain Mike's pizza around the corner from here? They load the pepperoni on their pizza, but it is so good. The pepperoni is so, do, did you, do you like it? You like the pepperoni? Was that, Christian, was that you talking? No? Yeah, no, their pepperoni, they, they pop up into like a little cup, and there's that little grease in there, and they're everywhere. In all honesty, their pizza is just like a frozen pizza. It's not even that good from there. But their pepperoni, but they put it everywhere. And I had that like at 8 o'clock one night. And I woke up in the middle of the night, and I literally, I was dreaming I was burning in hell. I, I'm no, no joke. Hand on the Bible. I wake up, and I've never had heartburn so bad in my life. I have not had that pizza since. Although, that pepperoni does sound really good. We'll just leave that there. But I want you to understand something tonight. Dreams, God does not speak to us through dreams today. We have God's word before our eyes. And may I just remind you tonight, the word of God is superior to dreams and divisions. Anyways, first, the Bible speaks to many subjects. Dreams are limited in their focus. The Bible is far more trustworthy. Anyone can read it. A dream is only known to the dreamer. Third, the Bible has absolute authority. Dreams mean nothing. A lot of times the things you dream about is what you were thinking about before you went to bed. Or some thoughts that have been in your head recently. Fourth, and I can keep on going, the Bible's certain and it's fixed. Dreams fade with time. Don't put your faith in a dream. Put your faith in the book, in the word of God. And so there's a word about dreams, and God doesn't speak to us through dreams today. You know the visions, all the people that had visions through the Bible? They had to because that's how we got the word given to us. God had to reveal his word somehow to us. But when, all, when, when the book was complete, let me let you look at one passage just so you can see, tie this together. And then we'll finish up here. 1 Corinthians 13. I just want to make sure that, I just want to make sure you got a little grip on this here and understand a little bit. There are a lot of groups out there that claim that dreams and all these different things happen and speaking in tongues we can talk about that one too but we're not going to go there tonight and i'd speak in tongues for you but i don't know how to and you wouldn't understand anyways first corinthians 13 verse number eight charity never faileth love never fails but whether there there be prophecies they shall fail prophecy foretelling they're going to fail whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. Look at verse number 10. But when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. What is that which is perfect? Right there. There's no more prophecies, no more dreams, because you have the perfect word of God in your hands right here. There's no more need for the sign of tongues because you have the word of God. That's what it says right there. So we go back and we finish up. A couple little thoughts there about 
the dreams and things. So we see there's a word about dreams. Number two, and we're just we're gonna get these last two out. We're gonna be done. There's a word about hope. There's a word about hope in his dreams. Joseph receives a shadow of the promise from God. He holds on to those dreams and they sustain him through some tough times. And you have hope too from the word of God. And then also we see there's a word about hatred as well. When you serve the Lord, try to follow him, try to live a clean life. Some people are not going to like you. They're not going to like what you stand for. They're not going to like your God. Don't let the haters stop you from following the Lord. And so as we get going into the series here, we see that Joseph was an incredible young man. And God had great things for this kid. But it's all setting up. The brothers hate him because dad loved him more and wanted to give him the blessing. He has dreams and now he's going to be, now everyone's going to bow before him. The hatred is building. And church, as we close tonight, this is why you got to be so careful. We mentioned a few minutes ago, what we talked about in chapel with the young people today. For the younger kids, we talked about the parable of the unforgiving servant. Remember how the king called the servant before him that owed him 10,000 pence? That was like millions of dollars. The man didn't have it to pay, and so the king said, and he said, sell him, sell everything he's got, and the man asked for forgiveness, and the man forgave him, had compassion and forgave him. And when that servant walked out, he saw a guy that owed him 15 bucks. He went up to the guy and said, give me my money you owe me. The guy's like, I don't have it. He literally grabbed him by the neck and shook him and said, give me that money. And he had the guy thrown in prison. The king heard about it, and he had that guy come back before him. And he said, I have forgiven you so much, and yet you can't forgive a little. And the scripture says that everything's fine there, Mona. I saw right through there. If something wasn't fine, I would have told you to karate chop someone on the way in. But the king says, I've forgiven you so much and you can't forgive. I'm going to give you over to the tormentors till you can pay. And this is what happens, church. I mentioned this to the kids today, and I think it ties in perfectly with this tonight. When you get that hatred and that anger inside and that unforgiving spirit, and you don't deal with those things, I believe when the Bible says, and it talks about that parable and those tormentors tormenting the guy, I think that's where the bitterness and the things where we just eat up inside over things, don't hold on to that hate. Because you'll be amazed what can happen when you let those things harbor and sit in your heart. Because we all know this story and we know what ends up happening. I think at the end of the day, Joseph's brothers, they had a lot of character flaws. But I think they sincerely, at times, wanted to do good things, too. I think they just were, they made a lot of bad decisions. The tribes of Israel are named after them. Think about that one. 
But when you let the hatreds and things stir in your heart, it led them to where they wanted to kill their brother and sell their own brother. That's why you can't let that stuff stay in. You have to forgive and move forward and let God's love flow through you. Father, we thank you for the time we've had tonight.